This is a story from the Western Isles of Scotland, and I've read different versions, and I've heard different versions told, and so this is a a kind of a, a collection of all of those put together. It's called The Crop-Haired Freckled Lass, and the person that I've heard it tell the most is Ian Stevens, a wonderful storyteller from Lewis. So if you're listening, Ian, thanks, bye. And hello, Christine, as well, by the way, his lovely wife, wonderful artist. They both are, actually. Anyway, I digress again. No. There was once a laird that lived in the Western Isles, and he regarded himself as being very wise, a very clever man. Nobody could get one over on him. He, you know, he was vain. He liked to think that he was really something quite special. Now, among the crofters that lived on his estate, the people that rented the the bit of land from them, there was a man called Donald, and poor Donald was, he had a, a big family, but he was as poor as a church mouse. So the one day he went out and he killed one of the laird's deer, one of the red deer that lived in the hills. And he cut its head off and he gutted it. Well, to hide the evidence, he buried the guts in the head at a certain place. Now the trouble is Donald had been seen. You see, there was a man that lived nearby, a neighbour of his, who didn't like Donald very much. He was a nasty piece of work, this man. And he bore grudges against people for no reason at all, and he didn't like Donald. So he saw him kill the laird's deer, he poaching, and burying the guts in the head, in the hill. And he remembered where he'd seen Donald bury that. And he went straight to the laird and told him, Now, Donald had been a happy man that evening because he was able to put a bit of meat on the table in front of his family, feed them for once with something that was a bit better than just potatoes and and barley. But the summons came the next day, Donald, the laird wants a word with you. He had a bad feeling about it. He knew that this was not going to end well for him, and so he went up to the big hoose, to the laird's hoose, and he took his cap off and he went in and bowed his head, and the laird said, Donald, I hear that you've been poaching my deer. Oh, no, sir, no, I would never do such a thing. No, no, no. You were seen doing it, Donald. And we have the evidence, too, because we were shown where you'd buried the head and the guts. We know you did it. There's no point in denying it. Well, caught red-handed, there was not much that Donald could say about that. But the laird smiled, a slightly cruel smile, and he said, You know, I'm a sporting man. I'm going to give you a chance here. Because, you know, I could evict you and your family right now. I could throw you out this very minute, and I would be quite within my rights to do so. Maybe even turn you over to the law as well and have you locked up for what you've done. But I'll give you a sporting chance. Now, as you know, I'm a very wise man, and I'm going to set you three questions. And if you can't answer the three questions, then you and your family are out. 
Oh, thank you, sir, he said, not feeling too confident about this. I'm going to ask you the first question. Don't answer now. I'll give you three days to think about it. My first question is, how many ladders does it take to reach the moon? My second question is, how much am I worth? The third question I'm keeping to myself, and I will ask you when you get here to answer the first two questions. You won't be given any time to think about that one, Donald. Now get out of here, out of my sight. Poor Donald went home. Oh, he was destroyed. He was heartbroken. I mean, the worry, the grief that was lying on that man. He was going to be evicted, him and his family. Where would they go? They had nothing. Oh, he was very depressed. He moped about. He didn't say anything. His wife said, what's the matter, darling? What, what's wrong with you? But he wouldn't say. He was just too sad. And he didn't want to burden them with the worry as well. I mean, it would be bad enough when the bailiffs turned up and evicted them. But they didn't need to spend two days worrying about it either. So he didn't say anything. Now, Donald had a daughter. And she was a bit different. She wasn't like the other girls in the village. She was very, very smart. Sharp as a tack. But different. She did things her own way. And she didn't like all this girls have to have long hair business. She thought that was ridiculous and it was too much hassle to look after. So she had her hair cropped short, like a boy. And her face was all covered with freckles as well. And they just knew her as the cropped-haired freckled lass. That's all she ever got called. And she was quite happy with that. Now, she was a great favourite with her father. And her mother said to her, Lass, would you go and speak to your father and see if you can find out what it is that's troubling him? There's something that has eaten him up inside. He's in a terrible state, but he won't tell me what it is. I'll see what I can do, she said. So she went to talk to her father. And she talked kind and soothing words to him. And, and she, well, she could always wrap him around her little finger. And she said, what is it that's wrong with you? What's, what's wrong with your dad? Tell me. Maybe I can help. Well, knowing that she was a clever girl, but still thinking that there was not much that they could do to answer all these questions and, you know, and the eviction was facing them, and, well... But anyway, he eventually told her that he'd been poaching deer, and they'd been caught. Somebody had turned them in. And that the laird had set him the two questions, and a third one to follow that he wouldn't, wouldn't tell him at the time. So he didn't know what to do, and he didn't know the answers to the three questions. How many ladders does it take to reach the moon? How much is the laird worth? <sighs> but the crop-haired freckled lass just smiled, and she said, Never you mind, Dad. We'll fix it yet. Don't you worry. I'll tell you what we'll do. You give me your clothes, 
and I'll dress up as you. I mean that, Laird. How often does he see his crofters, eh? Never. Only if he's pulling them up to give him a hard time. So he doesn't know what you look like. I mean, you were there yesterday, but he's forgotten already what you look like. I bet. He won't remember. It could be anybody walking in, saying that they're Donald. So, I'll dress up as you and I'll go in your place. Well, you got the hair for it, said their father. Ah, what the hell? Yeah, go for it. I mean, what can we lose? Not a thing, she said. Now come and have your supper. So he went through and he ate. And the next morning the crop-haired freckled lass, she put on her father's clothes and she put his cap on her head and she went up to the laird's big house, came in in front of him, cap in hand, head down. Well, Donald? Yes. Are you ready to answer my questions? I think so. Right. Well, he said, smiling, how many ladders does it take to reach the moon? One, she said, as long as it's long enough. Oh, well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Good answer, yeah. Okay, I'll let you off for that one, Donald. Now, oh, my second question. How much am I worth? Twenty-nine pieces of silver, she said, quick as a flash. Twenty-nine pieces of silver? <laughs> I own all the land around here. I have a huge pile of gold. And <laughs> you think I'm worth twenty-nine pieces of silver? Well, said the crop-haired freckled lass, pretending to be Donald, our Lord Jesus Christ was sold for thirty pieces of silver, and you don't think that you're worth more than Christ, do you, Laird? Oh, well, that took the wind out of his sails. Hmm, well, yeah, okay, I'll give you that one too. But I still have one more question. Fire away. I will. And the laird smiled, because he was sly, he was tricky. And he said, what am I thinking now? What am I thinking? And the crop-haired freckle says, well, you think, you're thinking that you're talking to Donald the crofter, but you're not. You're talking to his daughter, the crop-haired freckle glass. And when the laird looked at her and realised it, it was a woman, he was amazed, and he laughed, and he said, My God, you're a fine one, aren't you? My God, you're as sharp as a razor. <laughs> I have me reputation, she says. Well, he says, that's incredible. And they got to talking. And he was a man that liked to think himself clever, but everything that he was raising, well, she knew the answer to it, or a better answer than the one that the laird thought he knew. And he became very impressed with this girl, and he said, You know, oh, I'd marry you if you were the daughter of a laird. I mean, obviously I can only marry another laird's daughter, but, you know, being a laird myself. But if you were the daughter of a laird, I'd ask for your hand in marriage. Ah, oh, would you, she said. And if I was your woman, I suppose you would give me something from your estate. Yes, I suppose I would. Well, would you give me my father's croft? Would you sign it over to him, and about a land with it? Well, that's not much to ask, he says. Yeah, of course I would, yeah. 
Right, well, let's see you do it, she says. Let's get it all signed now, legal-like. And so the laird signed the legal document that gave Donald his croft with a bit of land with it. And he handed it to the crop-haired freckled lass and says, There you go, give that to your father. The croft there is his now. Well, that makes him a laird, she says, if he owns land. <laughs> well, I suppose it does, said the laird. Ah, so there you go, I'm a laird's daughter then, aren't I? <laughs> so you are. Oh, well, in that case, will you marry me? No, she said. No, I won't. What? But, uh, but why? Well, she says, you're asking me on a whim here. You know, you're just saying, suddenly out of the blue, do you want to marry me? You might change your mind this quick. Why should I trust you? Well, I mean, uh, well, 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 I'll tell you what we'll do, she says. I want you to sign another legal document. Another one, he said. Aye, another one. I want you to sign this, and I want you to grant me three things from your house. If ever we break up, if ever you tell me to go away, I want to be able to take three things from the house, and they're mine, and I own them. Well, that sounds fair enough, he said. Yeah, we'll do that. So again, a legal document was drawn up saying that the laird's wife was entitled to take three things from the house. Well, when that was signed, she says, Right, now I'll marry you. And then she trotted off home to tell her dad the good news and give him the title deeds. <gasps> he was amazed. Now, it came the time that the laird was going to marry the crop-haired freckled lass. And before they got married, he said, Now you made me promise you three things. Now I want you to make me a promise. Well, what's that then, she said. I want you to promise never to interfere in my business. Never interfere with the running of this estate. Ah, well, okay, fair enough. So she agreed, and the two were married. Now, people liked the cropped-haired freckled lass. I mean, she was one of them. She was a crofter's daughter. She knew how they lived. She knew what it was like to go hungry. She knew what it was like to struggle to pay the rent to the laird. And despite the fact that she had been asked not to interfere in his business, people still asked her her advice and, you know, maybe asked her to intervene, you know, quietly on their behalf. And she always tried to do what she could. Now, it all came to a head when there was two crofters that lived near to each other. And there was common grazing in those days, so you could put your animals up to the hill, and all the animals just wandered around there during the summer, all mixed head over heels among each other. And then, in the autumn, you'd go and you'd take down your own animals, back to and around the, the land near to where you lived. Now, there was a crofter that had a mare who was in foal, and another one had a gelding, 
and the two of them were sent up to the hill to graze. Now the mare gave birth to the foal, and when the foal was up and running around, the gelding was still quite young as well, and so the two of them liked to play together. They would run around together, and they became inseparable great pals. Obviously the foal went back to its mother to get milk, but he always went around with the gelding. And when the crofters came up to take their animals back, well, the foal followed the gelding back to that crofter's house. Well, the crofter that had the, the mare went and said, Can I get my foal back, please? And the other one said, No. No, the foal has chosen to come home with the, my gelding. So it's made up its own mind that it's staying here. And why shouldn't it? So no, you can't get your foal back. Well, the two of them went to the laird, and they put forward their case. And the laird said, well, we'll make a decision tomorrow. Come here at midday, bring the animals with you, and we'll settle it for once and for all, and I don't want any arguing. So they came back the next day, and they came to a big field that was next to the laird's house, and it had two gates in it that were on opposite sides of each other. And they took in the, the three horses, the gelding, the mare, and the foal, and they had them in the right in the center of the field. And then the crofter that had the mare led it out through the one gate, and the crofter that had the gelding led it out the other gate. The, the foal was in the middle, and it followed the gelding. And so the laird said, Right, the, the foal belongs to the gelding. So... That's yours. Well, the man that had the mare, I mean, he wasn't very happy. He'd lost his foal, and he went to see the cropped-haired freckled lass, and he said, can you help me? Is there any way that you could help me to get my foal back? I mean, you know. And she said, well, look, I'll tell you what you can do, but you have to promise me that you won't tell the laird that it was me who told you, because, you know... He won't like that. Oh, I swear, he said, as long as I can get my foal back. So she told him what to do. Now, one day, the laird was doing at the loch, and he was fishing. He was at the fly fishing for the trout. And this crofter that had the, the mare, he went down to a place nearby the shores of the loch that was all wet and boggy. And he brought with him a little basket, and it was full of salt. And he made sure that he was at a place where the laird could see what he was doing, quite plainly, quite clearly from where he was fishing. And he started to walk up and down and sowing the salt, just like seeds, broadcasting the salt over this wet land. The laird watched them for a time, really confused, a bit puzzled by this. And he went over to him and he said, What are you doing? And he said, Well, I'm sowing salt. What's it look like? Why are you sowing salt? Because I want to get a big crop of salt, that's why. Salt's valuable, you know, more valuable than corn. And the laird said, You are an idiot. I mean, how can you expect salt to grow? And in this wet land here, it's just going to dissolve rather than grow. Well, said the man, it's not less weird or, or less stupid than thinking 
that a gelding could give birth to a foal? Well, when the laird heard that, he was furious. Who told you to say that? Nobody. I don't believe you. You never thought of that in your own head. Who was it that told you to say that? Nobody. So they argued for a while, but the laird, he was persistent and he was powerful. And the poor crofter was scared. And he told. It was your wife, the lady laird, the cropped-haired freckled lass that told me to say that. He went home in a fury and he said to her, Right, you out! I want you out of my house now. Ah, oh, so it's come to that, has it? She said, I thought it might. Well, I want you to go. You're interfered in my business. I won't have it. Oh, well, fair enough, she said. Okay, but remember what you promised. Remember what you wrote down legally. I can take three things, whatever I want, out the door with me. Well, you can do that. Now, the first thing she did was she went over to the cradle where her baby boy was lying. She, The pair of them had had a wee boy, you see, who was heir to the estate. She picked up the cradle with the baby boy in it, and she carried him out of the house, and she set him down and said, That's one. And then she went in, and she went upstairs to the deed chest, where the laird kept the title deeds to all his land. She picked that up and took it downstairs and set it out and said, And that's two. And then she went in where the laird was sitting, looking at her amazed, and she picked up the chair with the laird in it and carried him out and dumped him down, and he said, And you're the third. And then she picked up the cradle with a baby in it, and she carried it back into the house, and then she picked up the box with the title deeds in it, and she took it in the house, and she slammed the door and locked it. And she shouted through the door, And now you can go away, clear off. I've got the deeds, I own the deeds to all this land and your house and everything, and I have your heir here as well. So we don't need you any more, so you can clear off. Well, he was furious. He beat on the door and he demanded to get in and she ignored him. She just went around whistling, paying no attention to him. In the end, the, the shouts, the threats, the anger, it turns to desperation and pleads. Oh, please let me in, darling. Please, I've learnt the error of my way. I'll, I'll let you have your own way in the future, I promise. Well, she left him to stew for a while, and in the end she said, Right, so if I take you back, I don't want to be treated like some kind of flunky around here. I'm your wife, and I should have my say in how the estate is run, and how you treat your people, too. Well, that's fair enough, he said. I mean, there is no way that I'm ever going to be able to get one over on you. Aye, that's right, she says, and don't you forget it. Okay, and she unlocked the door and she said, you can come in. But remember what I said. And after that, the laird was a changed man. He wasn't so arrogant. He wasn't so down on his crofters. And he always consulted his wife, the cropped-haired freckled lass, before he did anything.